Well, on December 3rd, 2022, Colorado hired Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Does anybody like Deion? We got any Deion fans? I love Deion. And uh, in their 2022 spring game, they had 1,950 people in attendance. After Deion Sanders was hired this past year, in the rain and cold, they had 47,000 people show up for their spring game. Their first home game brought $17 million to the local economy. Last year, they were one of the worst schools in the Power Five Conference. They only had one win. This year, they won their first three games. They've been struggling over the last seven weeks, but their future is bright because they are coming around a vision that is bigger than themselves. And one of the things that I love about God and one of the things I love about the church, and I view Deion Sanders as as changing an economy, changing a school, and I'm wondering how much more can a city be changed when a group of people come together fully focused, wholeheartedly focused on Jesus and what he can do in the community and in their city. Like, I believe that God wants to work right here, and God wants to work in us and through us. If you're, uh, this is your first time here at Purpose Church, I just want to be able to, like, give you permission. If you want to say amen at any point, if you want to clap, um, one of the things that defines us is we want to be people of passion. We don't do things half-heartedly. We believe that God is worthy of our worship, he's worthy of our pursuit, and we want to follow him with everything that we have. That's when you say amen. Perfect. There you go. There you go. We are not just here to impact lives. We believe that our church is here to impact a city. We believe that the valley can be different. And the reason we know that is a group of first century Christians who had very little influence, had zero power, completely changed the framework of our world today because of their commitment and their devotion. And more importantly, through the powerful spirit of God. And I believe that God wants to do that through a group of people today. The problem is most people don't have the same level of devotion and commitment and the focus on the Holy Spirit that the first century church had. So today we're starting a new series called Move with Compassion. If this is your first time, at the end of this service, you're going to have a very good idea of whether you want to be part of Purpose Church or not. Maybe you've been here for a few weeks you're going to have a great idea of who we are and where we're going. We, uh, basically, what we're going to be doing over specifically the next four weeks is we're going to be doing a vision series uh, specifically for 2024 and where we're headed. In the book of Habakkuk, it says, write the vision, make it plain for the people. Why? Because without vision, the people perish. Here at Purpose Church, we aren't after speed. We are after direction. Because people who are after speed, they always end up in a crash. We need to focus on our direction and where we want to head. We set our intention and it leads us to where we are called to go. So over the next four weeks, we are going to give you plain vision of where we're headed as a church and also what I believe God wants to do in your life and what he wants to do through your life. Now, this isn't just a vision uh, for the next 12 months or, you know, the next 2024 season. This is a vision for our life because when we call upon God, we're not just asking him to move for a season. 
We're not just asking him to move for a year. We are calling upon God and we are desperate for a lifetime of favor, believing that when God's hand is on us, he can take us further in a second than we could ever take ourselves in a lifetime. So that's what we want to experience as a church. And that is what I so want for you desperately in your life. And if you're ever going to see God move in an area of your life, it happens through his power and it is done by faith. You see, in scripture, it says it is impossible to please God without faith. If you want to see God move, it is, it's not just through your might. It is not just through your flesh. It is not just through your willpower. It is by experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the way that we fulfill our calling as a church, in the way you will fulfill the calling of your life, it is through God's power through your faith. Now, if we're going to experience faith for what God wants to do in us in the future, if you're going to experience expectancy of what you want God to do in your future, it's important for us to look at the past. Because if you're going to have faith for the future, the one way that you're going to be encouraged is you're going to need to see his faithfulness in the past. So I want to take a moment and just look at our church and go ahead and just celebrate God for a few moments. And we are going to entitle this 42 Weeks by the Numbers. If you aren't part of Purpose Church, we launched on Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. We have been a church for 42 weeks. And the reason we're talking about these numbers, and I want to give this caveat, it's because we believe that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. We don't celebrate numbers to puff ourselves up. We don't celebrate numbers to say our ministry is so amazing. We celebrate numbers because they represent people. And at the heart of Purpose Church, we are all about people. We want people to come to know Jesus. We want marriages to be strengthened and restored. We want families strengthened. We want to see our community changed by the power of Jesus. So uh, here are some of the numbers that we are celebrating and seeing what God has done. Since we launched on Sunday, January 22nd, we've had 9,954 people attend on a Sunday. Now, that's awesome. And uh, now I want to give you a caveat. That's not unique people. That's essentially all the 42 weeks multiplied by how many people have showed up each week. Some of you, you are repeat offenders, okay? And you're doing a great job. Some of you, you need to be more of a repeat offender, okay? Get to church. I'm just kidding. All right, another thing we're celebrating is we've launched five new groups. We have a men's group, we have two women's groups, we have a married couples group, and we have a student group that meets every other Wednesday as well. And this is a time for people to get plugged in to community. 97 people have registered for a group. I was texting someone a couple weeks ago and they just said their group has stepped into their life at a pivotal season. And that's why we talk about groups. It's important for you to get plugged in so that when you're going through tough seasons, you have people to rely on. We've had 148 people complete growth track, which is a way that you can learn more about your God-given purpose. A couple of those people were Kylie and CJ. Uh, they got baptized a couple months ago. They ended up moving from here back to California, but they're so grateful for the impact that you know, purpose made and God did in their life in this season. We've had 367 kids check in to Purpose Kids. The way we say it is we're not babysitting. In fact, the most important thing that's happening right now is not what's happening in here. It's what's happening back there. 
We are not babysitting. We are developing world changers so that when kids show up, there is an anchor in their heart so that when they sway, they don't sway as far because of what is being built right now. They're being loved on. We've had 121 decisions for Christ, people who have went from death to life, who filled out a connect card to, to make Jesus their Lord and Savior, which is awesome. We've had 17 people take their next step of baptism. One of those people was uh, Dustin. His wife had been praying for him for years to take that step. And at our last baptism, he took that step. Next week, we're going to be doing baptisms as well. I think we have five or six scheduled. And if you would like to take that step, we would love to help you do that. Here's another one. We've had 8,500 hours collectively served by our dream team, which I think is absolutely incredible because we're living out our value to serve. And I want to give a quick caveat when it comes to serving, because a lot of churches will say, you need to volunteer. You need to volunteer. We don't say that. When you're serving here at Purpose, you're not volunteering your time. Because when you volunteer your time, you're volunteering your time for something that fulfills you. And yes, I want you to be fulfilled when you show up to church, but we are not volunteering our time. We are serving in the kingdom of God because there's nothing more important than that. We're building God's kingdom, not our own. It's not volunteering. We serve. Here's the last one. As a church um, that's only been around for 10 months, um, we have been able to designate $40,000 to be able to give through our blessing fund, which helps local, national, international missions and people in our uh, house and in our church who are struggling. $40,000 in our first year of ministry. Can we take a moment to celebrate that? So God's faithfulness has been present in the past, and I believe that God's faithfulness has been present in your past as well, and it gives us faith for the future. And today what I want to do right now is I want to dive in to our vision for 2024 and a vision that I believe is going to encourage you and inspire you in your life as well. So we're going to do a hard pivot, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. Like, I know it's been upbeat, energy-filled. We're going to change things up. I just got to get you mentally prepared um, for this question because we're going to go into left field a little bit, all right? You don't have to answer this out loud. When is the last time you cried? Don't have to answer it. Some of you are like, it was an hour ago when I was getting my kids to church. That's okay. Now, when when you said, when's the last time you cried, I want to go a little deeper into that. When is the last time you wept? I mean, like, wept. You were crying uncontrollably. It was about four months ago, I was listening to a message and I was thinking about this series and I didn't know exactly what, you know, God was calling us for. And I heard a message by a pastor named John Tyson um, that just impacted me so greatly. Many of the thoughts today um, are coming from him and it really encouraged me to think about the next steps in which I was following Jesus. You see, when you cry, when you weep, it reveals what your heart is passionate about. And I'm convinced that in 2024, that God wants to give us the gift of tears. Now, some of you are like, man, 2024 vision, I thought it was going to be victory and all of these incredible things, and we're going to do this and this. Like, you're talking about the gift of tears. Well, let's go ahead and look at this. It's because I believe that tears are a gift from heaven because there's so much pain in this world where people get callous. We live in a world that is numb. You know what that's called? It's called habituation. This is what uh, psychologists describe this as, is habituation is a decrease in response to a stimulus after repeated presentations. 
Habituation involves growing accustomed to a situation or stimulus, thereby diminishing its effectiveness. Now, habituation is not always a bad thing. When you drive your car home or you go to work and you get there, if you're anything like me, you get there and you're like, how in the world did I get here? Has anybody ever had that moment where you're like, I don't remember driving 80 miles an hour down the expressway. I don't remember what happened the last 15 minutes, but somehow I am where I need to be. That is a form of habituation. You've gotten so used to doing that. You've gotten so used to that drive that you've just made it exactly where you need to go. The problem with habituation is when uh, we habituate over the things that Jesus cares about. And for many of us, we have. We've gotten used to things Jesus didn't want us to get used to. And it's easy because if you're anything like me, this world, man, it's a crazy place. And if you have social media or you watch the news, The challenge is we are inundated with so many pieces of information that we don't know what to do with. Illness, death, abuse, the poor and marginalized, school shootings, natural disasters, war and conflict, sin, religious decline, moral decay. And we're thinking, what in the world am I supposed to do? We just can't handle it. So what do you do? You can't cry all day, right? So we get numb, and we get calloused, and even worse, we start to get cynical. And cynicism is a cancer to the Christian spirit. And many of us, we are sitting in this place today because we don't know what to do, because we don't feel like we can carry all of this. I'm going to tell you, I'm not preaching this out of a message or out of a position where I feel like I have this figured out. Pastors struggle with this all the time. You know what they call it? They call it pastoral fatigue, where you're involved in people's high moments, which are great, but you're also involved in people's low moments when you're shepherding and loving people. And it can be very difficult to separate yourself from that situation because you're carrying the weight of how other people feel all the time. And it can be so hard. And sometimes you start having conversations, and this will happen to me, and I'm just being honest, where I'm talking to someone, I'm like, God, I feel like I should care more about this than I'm actually caring right now. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you're just like, I don't feel like I have the capacity to care about this the way I should care about this? What does it look like for us to do? Here's what I believe God wants for our church. God wants you to weep back into the heart of God. I believe that's what he wants for our church this morning. Dacker Keltner is a professor of psychology at UC Berkeley. He said there are three types of tears. The first is um, when your eyes water so that you can see better. The second is a reaction to a physical response when you're cutting onions or, um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you or this is just my stage of life when a toddler pokes you in the eye, okay? Anybody got that? That's when you start crying, right? The third one is an emotional response. This is when your lacrimal gland is triggered by your nervous system, and it goes from the top of your spine to your facial and vocal muscles. This brings about a sense of connection and belonging. Here's how he describes these tears. He says we have functional tears, we have utility tears, and we have sacred tears. You know what's one of the most incredible things about the God of the Bible? Is that we serve a God of tears. You see, God is powerful. 
God can do anything he wants to, but God has an incredible amount of empathy, empathy, sympathy, and compassion for us. Jesus was God, is God in the flesh, and his love was so deep. And what you see throughout scripture is that God uses people who have a deep passion for others. They prayed for people and they wept at the thought of others not experiencing God. That's who God uses. St. Ephraim uh, was a church father from the third century. He said, until you have cried, you don't know God. J.C. Royal was a bishop. He said, the greater our affections, the deeper our afflictions. And the more we love, the more we have to weep. This is the God we serve. He loves rebellious people like me and you who turned our hearts and our backs on him. And he weeps at the thought of us ever being separated from him. Because of the greatness of his love, we see the depth of his heartache. Maybe you're asking the question today. Maybe you've been weeping a lot today. Maybe you've had a lot of tears. Maybe you haven't cried in 20 years. Wherever you are today, maybe you're asking the question, do my tears matter? Do they move the heart of God? They do. That God sees you this morning and he will meet you where you are. Psalm 39, 12 says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. Psalm chapter 6 says, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. This is David writing. David was a warrior. David killed people. David uh, conquered cities. Yet he had an emotion to him because he could not, he despaired at the thought of other people not experiencing God. The psalmist continues to remind us in Psalm 56. He says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. In the ancient uh, East, uh, they would have tear bottles. And essentially what you would do is whenever you were mourning, whenever you were weeping, you would take a bottle and you would collect your tears and you would put them into that bottle. It was a sign of compassion and empathy. They would do this during the Civil War, where wives, when their uh, husbands would be out at war, they would grab a bottle, they would cry into that bottle, and they would send that bottle uh, to their husband to show how much they missed them, and they were praying for them to come back. In Scripture, we see another story where King Hezekiah was going through a battle, and he desperately cried out to God, and here's how God responds. He said, I have heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. Luke chapter 7, it gets even more beautiful with an interaction with Jesus. I think this is one of the most beautiful portions of Scripture. Here's what it says. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Some people read this passage and like, hey, that's just what people did back then. That was never socially acceptable. I mean, think about this story, and if you don't have any context, this woman lives in an honor and shame culture where the utmost value for a woman was her purity, and she was a prostitute. And she has so much shame, she doesn't know what to do with it, she has a broken heart, she is a woman of tears, and she's thinking, who will accept my tears? 
She knows the Pharisees aren't going to accept her tears. She knows the people at the temple aren't going to accept her tears. But she's heard about a man named Jesus. And Jesus is eating dinner with the Pharisees. Think about how uh, much this woman was struggling to put herself in a position where she placed herself in front of Pharisees who she knew was going to hate them and they were going to judge her. But she just wanted to have a moment with Jesus. And she finds Jesus with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are thinking, I'm sure as she walks up and she's crying on Jesus, I'm sure they're looking at Jesus thinking, if Jesus only knew who this person was, there is no way that Jesus would let her be touching him. But it was the complete opposite with Jesus. Jesus launches into a story with these Pharisees and he says, there's one group of people that are forgiven a lot. There's another group of people, they're forgiven a little. And he looks at the Pharisees and he says, which group do you think is going to be more grateful for the forgiveness? They say the people who were forgiven a lot. And Jesus tells them that the problem with the Pharisees is they believe they've only been forgiven for a little. Or or they don't even believe that they need forgiveness because they're just so good. But instead, this woman is a picture of who we're called to be because we all should be separated from God because of our sin. But because of God's glorious grace, he sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. So for those of us who come before him and say, God, we want your forgiveness, we want your grace, Jesus looks at us and he says, you're accepted. Come on, can we take a moment to thank God for his acceptance through Jesus this morning? If you're feeling shame today, if you feel like there's nowhere to go with your tears, if you feel like there's nowhere to go with your pain this morning, I'm going to encourage you, go to Jesus. He will give you mercy, and he will do exactly what you need him to do. The first thing I want to remind you today as we think about our vision for 2024 and the vision I believe that God has for your life is that your tears, they're not wasted. Now, how does this have anything to do with a vision for 2024? Well, here's the second point. God wants to give you tears for those who are rejecting God. Can we just have a blunt conversation for a moment? Like, if you're a Bible-believing Christian and you love Jesus, if you're not, like, you can step aside and you can just listen for a second. But you're a Bible-believing Christian, you love Jesus. Like, do you believe that hell is real? Like, do you believe that there are actually consequences for people who don't place their trust and their faith in God in this lifetime? Like, what is our real conviction about people who are apart from Jesus? On the other side of that, not only thinking about eternal separation from God, but like, what do we believe about their life here on earth? Do we think it's just like, you know, if they accept Jesus into their life, if they show up to church maybe once a month, their life's just going to get a little happier. Like their life's going to get a little bit better. Or do we believe that Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good? He came to take dead people and bring them life. That's what Jesus wants to do for every single person in this valley. And I think one of the greatest things the enemy has done for the church is take away the sense that people are actually lost without God. Like they are lost. They are headed in the wrong direction. And we don't say this from an arrogant posture. We say this from a humble posture, recognizing that God can change anything. Philippians chapter 3 
Paul's writing this to the church of Philippi. Here's what he says. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really the enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul just got canceled with that statement if he made it today. He's saying, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're an enemy of the cross. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they only think about this life on earth. People who don't follow Jesus, he says, you are the enemy of the cross. Not you're going to be fine. Not everything's going to be okay. Not just show up to church occasionally and life will be okay. Paul wept at people's godlessness. I'm asking the question to myself. How often am I weeping for people in my life and how often am I weeping for people in this valley who are separated from a God who loves them more than they could ever imagine and just so desperately wants them to come home? Romans chapter 9 Paul writes, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. My Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, caught off, uh, cut off from Christ if that would save them. My heart and my prayer to God is for them to be saved. Do you understand how intense that is? Do you understand what Paul's saying? I mean, have you ever loved someone so much that you're saying, I am willing to sacrifice my relationship for Jesus so that they could know Jesus? Now, Jesus would never ask you to do that, but, but do we have this level of passion for people that they would know God? Psalm 119 says, streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Have you ever had this type of passion for people? Maybe you used to have that passion. Do you have that passion for people now? Jeremiah chapter 9 says, If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. Corey Russell is a pastor, and uh, he says most people called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. But he said that's not right. He said Jeremiah is just the prophet of a weeping God. Lamentations is a whole book about weeping for others. It says, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Streams of tears flow from my eyes. I believe that God wants to embed a passion in our church, that God wants to embed a passion in you for people who are far from him. He wants to convict our hearts to help others experience him in a powerful way. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he was desperate for others to experience the love of the Father. And again, you may be wondering, Josh, like, what does this have to do with our vision for 2024? Are we just going to cry the entire year? That's not it. But I want us to be guided by the words of Jesus. In John chapter 11, we see Jesus has a heart for people. His, one of his good friends, Lazarus, has died. And the sister of Lazarus was crying. And uh, that's where we're going to go ahead and pick up the story. So when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her uh, were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Do you know how Jesus responds to your pain and your tears? 
He's not cynical. He's not distant. He's not apathetic. He is moved. So then it goes on to the next verse, or two verses down, the shortest verse in the Bible in an incredibly beautiful verse. It says this, Jesus wept. You guys know the context of this? Jesus already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Like, think about that. And here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't go to the sisters of Lazarus. He didn't go to the friends of Lazarus and say, hey, guys, you don't need to stop crying. You don't have to, you can stop being emotional about this because I'm about to raise Lazarus from the dead. What did Jesus do? Jesus wept with those who wept. He mourned with those who mourned because he has a heart for people. I think about our church. I believe that God wants to give us our tears back for people. He doesn't want us to be apathetic. He wants us to be full of compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is looking over the city And it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. So if you want to know our vision for 2024, it can be summed up with three words. As a church, we're going to be moved with compassion. That's who we're going to be. We're going to be moved with compassion. Come on, can you say it together with me? We are going to be moved with compassion. Like that is the the desire of our heart, because I believe that we serve a God who wants to do incredible things. And in scripture, it says it is impossible to please God without faith, that God is desperate to move, but oftentimes God does not move in certain people's life because they don't want to see him move. And unfortunately, the vast majority of Christians in many churches never see God move in a big way because we aren't desperate for him to move. I believe that God is waiting in heaven for a group of people who band together and they say this, Lord, we are desperate for you to move. Lord, we need you. Our families need you. Our relationships need you. Our school needs you. Our city needs you. Our country needs you. God, we are desperate for a move that can only be defined by you in our lifetime. God, that is what we need. We despair at the thought that we go through our whole life and we don't see God move mightily on our behalf. I believe that God is looking for a church who is moved with compassion. The question is, will we be this church? And will you be this person? Because this isn't just about a corporate entity. The church is made up of people. You know what Jesus said right after this verse? This is a pastor's favorite verse, all right? Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a lot of pastors who love this verse. You know what he's saying here? He's saying there's people who would come to know Jesus today if people would tell them about him. There were people who would show up to church next Sunday if someone invited them. Like God says, I'm ready to work. The question is, are there going to be people who are ready to work? See, there's a city that could be changed by the love and the grace of Christ if we serve the God who can do the impossible. And I believe that God is up in heaven and oftentimes he looks at us and he looks at our churches and he's just saying they're missing it. 
like the church and the people, they're only focused on wealth. They're focused on comfort. They're focused on ease. The vision for their life is a great retirement. The vision of their life is doing a bunch of fun things. The biggest vision for their life is hitting every single national park. That's the biggest vision for their life. And God's like, elevate your vision. Go hit all those national parks. Have a great retirement. But the goal of your life is not your comfort. It is not your ease. It is not building your own kingdom. The greatest fulfillment you will ever experience is not your own kingdom. It's God's kingdom. So the question is, are we going to elevate our vision? I believe that God wants to shake some of us up today and say, elevate your vision. Your life could be used for something so much bigger than what you're doing right now. Be part of something that lasts. Be part of something that is bigger than yourself. Matthew chapter 9, 38. So what do we do? Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What are we going to do as a church when it comes to this vision? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray first. We pray first. If you don't know anything about our church, we pray first. Monday through Thursday, 6 a.m., we pray together. Saturday nights at 8 p.m., we pray together. We've just said from the beginning of our church, we are church built on prayer because prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. And I pick what he can do, not what I can do because I know that I am limited, but God is unlimited. So we're gonna pray first. That's what we're gonna do as a church. We ask that God would bring a group of people wholeheartedly passionate about seeing his kingdom come so that we can see our vision come to pass where we can help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I truly believe that God wants to see revival happen in our city. And some of you may be thinking, like, what does that even mean? Revival is when God accelerates um, through the power of the Holy Spirit something special in our community and in our midst. Where if a church saw maybe 100 people come to know Christ in a year, a revival would be seeing 100 people come to know Christ in a day. Like, I believe that God has the ability to do revival. I believe that God has the ability to move. The question is, are a group of people going to experience that revival? Every time you study revivals, what you see is that at the presence was God moving in a big way, but the way it started was through prayer and hunger. It was a group of people who said, we are hungry for the presence of God. It was not a group of people who were just hungry for what God was going to give them. It was a group of people who were more focused on what God wanted to do through them so his glory could come to pass. So let's take a moment to dream. One of our values is we are a faith-filled church. We believe that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. One way we say it is we don't insult God with small thinking and safe living. We're going to dream big, and we aren't here to live safe. One of our faith-filled prayers, and we're going to do uh, this semester, and it's going to come on to uh, December 10th, is we're going to be doing a Kingdom Builders offering. This is where we come together and we give God our best when it comes uh, financially, sacrificing together, coming together so that God's kingdom could come right here in the valley. We're believing and we're dreaming and we're also strategically placing people where they need to be placed so that God can work in a powerful way. One of the things we're specifically praying for as a church in order for us to see God, uh, see more people come to know Christ is that God would give us a location in the future. 
We know that studies show that when you go from portable to permanent, the amount of people that you see come to know Christ exponentially increases, and we want to be a stable place in this city where people can know that they can always show up here to be loved and cared for. Now, I have no idea how this is going to happen. It takes a lot of money, but I believe that God has the ability to work, and God wants to do something in our midst. It may be a smaller place at first. We have no idea. But our goal and our dream is that we can have a space for groups, student ministries, kids' events in the summer, worship nights, leadership development, a 24-7 prayer room, an office space, a space for counseling, a place where people can show up and be developed and equipped and deployed to live out their God-given purpose. I want our future location to be a place where people who don't even know Jesus look at our location and say, I don't exactly know what's going on over there, but there is something special happening because this church is a place that cares for our community. That's what we desire. Second thing that we're praying for God to do is we want to be a place where next generation pastors are developed and deployed. You may not know this, but we are in a pastoral crisis in the United States. 42% of pastors thought about leaving the ministry in 2022, and they would have if they had something else to do where they would get paid. Seminary enrollment is in a steep decline. The average pastor is 57 years old, and churches are operating without pastors and finding other solutions because of this. Our dream as a church is we can be a place where we develop, equip, and deploy pastors to live out the ministry that God has given them wherever they are. My dream is that we would be a place where thousands of pastors come together and we can develop them, and then they can go out and serve in different communities. One of my life verses is in Zechariah. It says, do not despise small beginnings for the Lord loves to see the work begin. I want to one day see 3,000 pastors developed in a year. But we can't do that tomorrow. We don't even have 3,000 people. So what can we do? We can start with three people, right? So as a church, what we want to do is we want to help stipend three students from Grand Canyon University who have an interest in being a pastor in the future. We want to give them valuable learning experience. We want to give them a stipend to help with collegiate expenses. And we want to pour into their life and help give them valuable ministry experience so that they can go out and serve uh, as pastors in the future. As a church, we also want to pour into the next generation. So we're going to be doing a kids camp this summer. Um, So if you have kids currently in kindergarten through fourth grade, mark your calendars for June 11th through June 13th. We're going to be doing our first kids camp. Our goal during this Kingdom Builders offering is to raise $5,000 so that we can scholarship anyone who needs to come and we can fund the camp as well. The last thing we want to do when it comes to our vision for 2024 is we want to make a difference in our local, national, and international partners. This year, we've been able to give $40,000. Our dream, what we're praying for, is that God would help fully fund our blessing fund for 2024 with the goal to be able to give $100,000 to local, national, and international mission partners next year, which we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks. The way all of this is going to happen is we're going to come together as a church and we're going to pray first. Those of you who are part of our church and you haven't gotten plugged into serving, it's time to get in the game. It's time to start using your gifts to be able to make an eternal difference. And then on December 10th, we're going to come together and we're going to financially give. Because when we give, we accelerate the vision of what God can do. And we sacrifice together believing that God wants to use us to build his kingdom. And vision moves at the speed of generosity. 
Vision moves at the speed of generosity. We're going to do all of these things at some point. The question is, are we going to do these things in the next year? Is it going to take two years? Is it going to take five years? Is it going to take 10 years? That's when we all come together because vision moves at the speed of generosity. Generosity takes sacrifice. And sacrifice looks different for some people. Sacrifice for some people is $50. Some people it's $500. Some people it's $5,000. Some people it's $50,000. But we're going to come together and we're going to ask God to move. And I want to reassure you, my wife and I never ask you to do anything we don't do ourselves. As a couple, we've always tithed and we always give above a tithe. And we increase our percentage of generosity every year, recognizing that God has the ability to bless. And he also wants to continue to work through our generosity together. So that's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is this. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what does this practically look like in your life. And I believe the next three weeks are going to be powerful and you need to be here each Sunday. Because if the vision for our church is just the vision of our staff, we are limited in what we are going to do, even though I believe we have big vision as a church. Here's why. If you don't live out the God-given vision that he has for your life, we are missing out on the impact of what God wants to do in you and through you. Like God has broken your heart for something and it is time to step into it. And oftentimes churches will only focus on the vision of the pastor and it is my job as a pastor to help illuminate the passion that God has given you and fan it into flames so that you can do what God has called you to do. Because it isn't just what happens here on Sunday. It's about what you do Monday through Saturday. That's how we make maximum impact. I want to help you live out your passion and your purpose, and that's going to look different for each of us. For some of you, it's the poor and marginalized. Others of you, you have a heart and a burden for the next generation. Maybe it's you have a heart for single parents. Maybe some of you are great with cars, and you can use that as your ministry. God has a ministry for you, and we want to help illuminate that over the next three weeks. And to kind of just help us do that, today what I wanted to do is celebrate a couple who I met uh, when I first got here. And uh, I think they are a great example of what God has the ability to do when you ask God to work in your life and show you what he wants to do in your life. So let's go ahead and check out this video from Jeff and Kate Simpson, who founded Barbecue Mission. Barbecue Mission actually started about seven years ago. For years, I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And I must have asked the right question one day at church. I had a conversation with God. I asked God, I said, man, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he said, Jeff, what do you like to do? So I gave him the crazy answer of I like to smoke meats and grill. And he said, then that's what you need to do. My name is Brandon Wood. I've been volunteering with Barbecue Missions around three years now. My wife and I, my family, we've been coming out here for the last three years. I'm from Kokomo, Indiana. Me and Jeff, we met um, about three years ago and I started volunteering and coming down here each Monday throughout the, throughout the months. For us, it's just a chance to come down here and serve the people that you know, need it the most. So we always look forward to coming down every Monday and you know, just starting our week down here serving the homeless. 
Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you so much for this day that you have made. You call us to rejoice and be glad in it, and we certainly are. We thank you for the food that you're about ready to provide to the bodies, whether we're on the serving side or the receiving side. Lord, we pray that your name would be magnified, that you would get the honor and the glory, and that food would be blessed, that you would strengthen and nourish each and every person that comes through the line, and that they would just feel your love and your faithfulness to them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's David, I like the food here. Uh, I feel great when I bring my friends here because uh, everybody here is nice and it's good food. My name is Roman. Tunisia. My name is uh, Mitchell, AKA Hollywood. I like the people, good environment, and um, obviously, I come for the meal. <laughs> my name is Chris. I think that everybody should solve everybody. The biggest part is we get to come down and we get to serve those in need, but we also come down and allows people to come down and actually give back. But I think the biggest thing is we're able to let them be seen. We see them, we want to talk to them, we want to build relationships with them. We want them asking us questions. We want to be the light. We want to be the light for God. I don't think there's ever been an event that we don't go home just feeling fulfilled. I would just say for anything, whether it's to help us or not, is to figure out what it is that God's calling you to do to give back. Here, can we take a moment to honor Jeff and Kate and thank you, thank them for the ministry that they've started with Barbecue Mission. I'm going to have them come up on stage. And if you don't know this about our church, whenever someone gives to God through Purpose Church, the first 10% of what is given, we designate for local, national, and international mission partners. And one of our local partners is Jeff and Kate. You guys can come on over here. And what I love about their story is that God used their passion to be able to make a difference, and they did something about it. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. And as a church, um, we love to be able to model outrageous generosity. And Earlier I said, for the Lord loves to see the work begin, and you start even when there are small beginnings. And although we can't necessarily give as much as we want to do, we have to start somewhere, and we'd love to be able to start somewhere. Uh, so Mike, if you want to go ahead and bring that check out, what we want to do is give Jeff and Kate a check for $3,000 um, for Barbecue Mission, just to take a moment to say thanks to you. And uh, it was funny. Because when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, um, my church at home, we would do like big checks like this. And I was like, and I don't know how much you view $3,000 being a lot of money or a little money. Um, but at my church, we have a budget that's about 25 times the budget that we have as a church. So whenever they would do big checks, it would be like $30,000. And I was like, well, we can't write a check for $30,000 yet. But I felt what God did in my spirit is, hey, it's big for you now, right? And that's what generosity is. See, the widow and the mite is what we see is that Jesus doesn't look at the amount. He looks at the percentage. So what we're believing is that this is $3,000 today, but by God's grace, this is going to be a check for $30,000 in the future. It's going to be $300,000 in the future because we start now. And there is no greater place to start than with people like you. So thank you so much for the way you serve people and the way you love people. So... 
If you want more information about Barbecue Mission, they have uh, multiple different ways to serve. The closest one is in Avondale uh, Baptist Church on Wednesdays. And uh, Jeff and Kate are going to be hanging out in the front of the stage. They would love to get you information if you want to financially donate, if you want to get plugged in serving with them. But what I want to do right now is I want to pray specifically for you and your ministry. So would everybody go ahead and stand up? Uh, whenever we take a time to pray, I just want to take a moment to teach on prayer for one second. Um, I believe there's important postures of prayer. You see, when we open up our hands, what we're saying is we're receiving a prayer of blessing in our life. So at the end of every service, we pray over your purpose. That's a time to open up your hands. Uh, there's a prayer of surrender, which we're going to do after we uh, pray for Jeff and Kate. That's just putting up your hands saying, God, we are desperate for you to move. And then there's a prayer of blessing when we're praying over another person. And when you pray over another person or whenever we do this at church, I would just encourage you to lift out your right hand. Your right hand is a sign of blessing in scripture. And when you lift out your right hand, what you're doing is you're affirming this prayer that I am praying. And you're saying, God, we are praying and asking you to bless this couple. So would you go ahead and just lift your hands out towards this couple and let's all pray together for them. God, thank you so much for Jeff and Kate. God, I got to see firsthand this past Monday what they're doing. Their incredible love for people. Yeah, God, they're feeding people. But most importantly, they are showing people that they matter to you no matter what they look like, no matter where they've come from. When society can easily look down, they elevate people and they honor people because, God, that is what you have done. So we pray special blessing over Jeff and Kate today. We pray special blessing over their ministry. We pray that you multiply it, that you fund it, that, God, they would feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people, Lord, and that more people would come to know Jesus, the most important thing, because of the ministry that they are living out every single week. So God, as a church, we bless them and we thank them for their service this morning. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we take one more moment to celebrate Jeff and Kate? Thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Thank you. You guys love you guys. Thank you guys. Absolutely. We're going to take one moment now um, to really pray for this vision to come to pass in 2024. And this vision is not about us. So we're not opening our hands to receive the vision. What we're doing is we're lifting up our hands, surrendering to God to say, this is about you. And the only way this comes to pass is if you open up heaven and you do exactly what you need to do. So if you're comfortable, I would just encourage you in a sign of surrender this morning to lift up your hands and let's call upon the name of Jesus right now. God, we believe that you want to work in our church. We believe you want to work in our lives. But God, we believe that you want to change this city. God, we are asking for revival to happen. We are asking for thousands and thousands of people to come to know you, to be baptized, to be deployed in the ministry, to understand that their lives are not about themselves. Our lives are about bringing you glory and honor and praise. God, this is not about us. This is not about our church, but today, Lord, we say we surrender and we are ready to do whatever you've called us to do. So, Lord, open up heaven today. Bless and bless and bless people and let us see more people come to know Christ. And we're going to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the midst of it. Can we just give God one more shout of praise today? Thank you, Jesus, for what you want to do. Let's go ahead and sing this out together. 
Hey, what's up everyone? My name is Jess. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We're so glad to have you. And hey, if you made a first time decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. It is the best decision that you will ever make. I wanna encourage you to go to our website, purposearizona.com slash connect card, and you'll see a connect card on the website. Go ahead and fill that out. It gives us a little bit of information about you and helps us come alongside you and support you as you start this journey. Also, if you just wanna connect with our church or if you wanna invest financially in what God is doing here in the Valley, all of the information is on the website, purposearizona.com. And lastly, we meet in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Desert Edge High School, and we'd love for you to join us. Be sure to follow us on social media for any other updates. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.